0: That's hyperthetical, H Y P E R T H E T I C A L.
1: Hi, I'm Madigan, and you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, a podcast that explores the world through a personal feminist perspective. And it's been a doozy of a news week. I don't even think I am going to be covering all of the many things that I had listed as possible topics for the week, but I got really into a few of them, and there's a lot of really, really important things to discuss, but before I get into all of that, I wanted to give a big thank you to those of you who have reached out to me, either with ideas of people that could be potential co-hosts for me or even the people themselves that have reached out and kind of shoot their shot, shot their shot, whatever, however you want to call it. But um, I really appreciate it. Don't be a stranger. Reach out. Talk to me. Let me know your interest, your experience, all of that kind of stuff. My schedule is a little bit nuts at the moment, so I'm struggling to even schedule to meet people. But I am hoping... To open that up very, very, very shortly, the last few weeks have literally been kicking my ass with work. Uh, I was able to get someone to cover my shift today, which just about saved my life, and I was able to kind of breathe and take my time and get some good Research notes done, and I even got to go out to lunch with Max today, which was really nice. And I haven't really had much time to do much fun stuff lately, but um, I'm stalling now. So let's get into some of the news of the week. In tradition with starting out with the worst news, I wanted to talk about a shooting that occurred at Central Visual and Performing Arts High School in St. Louis, Missouri, on Monday. A 19-year-old former student of the Central Visual and Performing Arts High School broke into a side entryway and opened fire, killing one student, one teacher, and injuring seven students. The perpetrator was armed with an AR-15-style rifle and had more than 600 rounds of ammunition on him. The school has come out since the shooting and reported that they did have multiple metal detectors placed throughout the school, but since the perpetrator shot through a glass door in the side entry meant that he could surpass them. There were also seven security guards on duty that day at school, and they were able to quickly alert students and faculty that there was an active shooter. I thought that this little fact added a little bit of levity to this tragic story. The school had decided to use the code, Miles Davis is in the building when an active shooter was on campus. So that was their little code way of letting students and faculty know that there was danger in place in the school. And I find it interesting that it's something so calming, I guess. I don't know. It's interesting and I wonder if other schools do this as well. If they have their own codes or sayings when an active shooter is on campus. Unlike with the El Valde shooting, police received the call at 9:11 a.m. and they had arrived and entered the school by 9:15 a.m., so they were really really on it. When the officers entered the school, they came face to face with the gunman, and when he refused to drop his weapon, a shootout ensued, killing the gunman. He was announced dead at 9:25 a.m. The victims of the attack were health and physical education teacher Jean Kuksa and 15-year-old sophomore student Alexandria Bell. Four students were injured as a result of gunfire. Three obtained physical injuries due to the chaos and evacuation. A student that was in the classroom says that the gunman had made his way into Jean's health classroom where she was huddled with her students and it was said that she was killed while trying to protect them. Jean was shot first, then a student was shot in the hand, then two more were shot before the gunman left the classroom. The students then opened up a window and jumped out. One of those students fractured their ankle in the jump. I'm not going to mention the perpetrator slash gunman's name, but I do want to talk a little bit about their history and what has come out about them, because I think that there is a lot to learn in regards to that. The perpetrator had no history of a criminal record, but according to his family, he did suffer from mental or emotional problems of some sort. His parents had sent him to a mental institution at some point, and they also tracked what he got in the mail would do searches of his bedroom and did everything that they could to give him validation. Validation that he was loved, but nothing seemed to work for their child. Nine days prior to the shooting, his mother even called the police on her son, asking them to remove his AR-15 rifle from their home. Apparently, the gun was confiscated, and police weren't sure how he was able to obtain his weapon again. But there was one source that I saw where police had determined that the perpetrator owned the firearm legally, so I'm wondering if he was able just to go down to the station and pick it up the next day if he wanted to. I'm sure that that would very easily happen, and I feel like I've heard of that happening in the past. Police Commissioner Michael Sack said the parents of the perpetrator did everything they could manage to help their son and that the mother is heartbroken that other families had to pay for her son's actions. Sack also explained that authorities will be working on ways to make it more difficult for active shooters to enter classrooms, which just makes me want to face palm because I feel like that is the most simple thing that you could be thinking of, like better locks, better security on each individual classroom. Now I tend to get a lot of like teacher and kid type content on I don't really go on TikTok but on Instagram where I see all my TikTok videos like way after they were popular and um, I've seen a lot of videos of teachers sharing the ways that they have protected themselves most of the time they have well I should say all of the time these teachers have paid for all of these tools and methods themselves out of their own pockets. There was one teacher that I saw that had like this bulletproof vest backpack that contained all these bulletproof, like plates in it, and other things like first aid and items that would help aid them if there was an active shooter or injury or anything like that. I've also seen some teachers that have bought things that kind of look like those old car locks that you put on the steering wheel and things like that to put on the doors of their classrooms. And all I have to say to that is hashtag pay our teachers. (laughs) I mean, for Christ's sakes, like they are putting themselves on the line every day for your children, for themselves. Parents shouldn't be considering sending their children into battlefield when they're really just going to school to learn and to form friendships and become productive members of society. Another note on this fucking prick, the perpetrator left a note. In it, he says, I don't have any friends. I don't have any family. I've never had a girlfriend. I've never had a social life. I've been an isolated loner my whole life. This was a perfect storm of a mass shooter. What a fucking dick. How angry does that make you? One, you probably don't have any friends because you're a murderous asshole who scares people. Two, you do have a family that cares about you. Clearly, your mother tried so hard to ensure that you wouldn't do something so fucking stupid. Three, I can't think of one person who would consider dating anyone who displays such dangerous tendencies, and good for them for staying the hell away from you. Also, women don't owe you fucking shit. We don't owe you nice. We don't owe you a smile. We don't owe you a date, or a kiss, or a fuck, or anything else. So fuck you for thinking that you have any ownership over us. Rotten hell. And four... I cannot handle this justification for being a mass shooter like he had no other choice or something when he had all of the opportunities to receive help and love and instead he terrorized and killed. Continuing on this rage train ride, let's talk about Kanye West. Fucking Fuck. This past Saturday, a hate group traveled to LA and hung out over an overpass over the 405 freeway, which is one of the most traveled freeways in LA and one of the most famous freeways in the world, where they hung a banner stating that Kanye is right in reference to speaking out on his anti Semitism. And I posted something about this on Instagram because it baffles the mind. That there can be so many people that would be so blatantly anti-Semitic. Like, did, did they miss the lesson in school growing up that, like, the Holocaust was bad? And the people, like, the Americans, the West that came and, like, helped liberate the Jewish people from the Nazis were the good guys? Like, did they miss that? What wires crossed in their fucking brains for them to think it's okay to so publicly be so hateful? It is absolutely uncomprehensible to my mind. And this came after further videos were released of Kanye's hatefulness toward the Jewish community and his White Lives Matter controversy earlier this month. Let's get into the fallout of some of this controversy. So Kanye is tied to many different organizations and companies and he has started lots of other companies himself and slowly throughout the week they have been pulling away from West. Adidas finally spoke out on Tuesday about how they will be ending their sales and production of Yeezy branded products, as well as payment to West and his companies, taking a $245 million hit to their fourth quarter sales. I don't give a fuck. That's the right thing to do. Take a money hit. Kanye and Adidas have been partners since 2013 and had been under review with the company since his White Lives Matter t-shirt display on some runway. One former fan had collected 40 Yeezys over the years worth about $15,000 and made a video of himself burning them. In the caption, he wrote that Kanye's rhetoric leads to, quote, harm, injury, or even death. Along with Adidas, Balenciaga, Gap, and other companies have also stated that they would no longer work with West. Vogue has also agreed not to feature him or his work again. West's non-accredited school Donda Academy, which I vaguely remember hearing about now and i am definitely going to be doing a Reddit deep dive later, shut its doors for the rest of the school year after the controversy. There was an email that was sent to parents on Wednesday, giving them the notice saying the decision came, quote, at the discretion of our founder, and would reopen its doors in September of 2023. Like I said, this school has been shrouded in mystery since it was developed, and little to no info is known about this school because anyone associated with it has to sign an NDA. Although I did read somewhere that they offer parkour as a class. High school basketball tournaments have also banned Donda from participating. Kanye also owns a Donda sports agency who has signed Aaron Donald for the LA Rams and Jalen Brown from the Celtics, who have now removed themselves from the company, thankfully. Um, all of these companies and people that have been associated with Kanye have come out saying that, you know, they no longer agree with, you know, their morals and the things that they're saying. And I am very happy to announce that the retail location that I work at will no longer be taking Yeezys as well. I work in a secondhand uh, reselling store. So we take in any sort of like, you know, designer and nice clothing that's in really good condition and resell it and give cash or store credit to customers to be able to shop and things like that. And we get Yeezys in all the time. Like I just brought a pair in like two weeks ago or something and was kind of like this feels weird i remember pricing them really low um but i got a notice from my boss and they had a conversation with us about how we are no longer going to be taking any yeezy shoes any of his brand sunday service we won't be taking any more of his merch and i'm like fuck yeah because i wouldn't be doing it anyways i would have to just make up some excuses and I'm sure that there are going to be many many customers coming up to me in the coming weeks trying to sell their Yeezys off and uh, pray for me that I don't have to get into any massive altercations with anyone because I won't buy their Yeezys. You can shop from
0: anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast and however you shop we all know and love the thrill of the hunt.
1: So I didn't take a whole lot of notes on this topic, but I do think that it is important to mention there is an influencer by the name Dylan Mulvaney, who is a trans woman who has 8.4 million followers on TikTok for documenting her experience as a trans person since March of 2022. If you've seen her videos, she has a series entitled Day Blank of Being a Girl. Either last week or earlier this week, she interviewed President Joe Biden, where she and Biden discussed gender affirming health care. In the interview, Biden stated, the trans part is not immoral. What GOP lawmakers are trying to do to trans persons is immoral. In response, Marjorie Taylor Greene reposted the video saying, quote, I introduced a bill to stop gender affirming care on kids and they want me dead. I'm being swatted while transphobic slur visiting Biden are being swooned. Fuck you, Marjorie Taylor Green. I should just have that tattooed on my forehead. But also, fuck you, Marcia Blackburn, because Blackburn also retweeted a different video from Dylan's page saying, Radical left-wing lunatics want to make this absurdity normal. It's not absurdity, one. And two, yes, we do want to make it normal. And of course, Caitlyn Jenner had to get her hat in the mix and responded to Blackburn tweeting, quote, Thank you for speaking out and having a backbone. One of the best senators we have. In response, Senator Sarah McBride fired back, Caitlyn, mocking other trans people is not going to make politicians like Blackburn accept you. I would pity your transparent insecurity if it wasn't so dangerous for the trans people you bully and throw under the bus. I don't usually comment on this stuff, but I abhor a bully. In a video that Dylan posted a few days after her visit with the president, she says, do a good handful of people hate me? Yes, but we've got too many good things going on right now, which I absolutely love because I think and you've all heard me get very, very upset over these issues in the past and nothing makes me more unhappy and angry when a person is being persecuted or potentially injured or killed for being who they are particularly with the transgender community The amount of violence that is perpetrated against them is so astronomical that I feel that anytime there is any sort of negative and transphobic messaging that's in the media and in the news, I feel that it is very important for me to mention it, to bring it up, to say that I'm not okay with that, and to mention how it perpetuates that dangerous cycle of violence against trans women, and particularly trans women of color. We cannot forget how many women lose their lives over this type of hatred? Now, the last section of my notes I have titled Anti Hero, Anti Fat. So let's talk about fat phobia. It's something that has been ingrained in all of us since we grew up, if we are from Western cultures. It's something so enmeshed in our psyche that even in a survey in 2004 of preschool age students, they preferred, quote, average sized children to overweight children as friends. Fat phobia is a noun, and it's the implicit and explicit bias of overweight individuals that is rooted in a sense of blame and presumed moral failing. Thank you, BostonMedicalCenter.com. Anti-fat bias can be seen in many facets of our society, and fat activists commonly blame popular media for the pervasiveness of the fat phobia phenomenon. With this in mind, many people were impacted by something that occurs in Taylor Swift's new music video for her single, Anti-Hero, which features the slender Swift standing on a scale that reads fat. After a few days of backlash, the singer edited the word out of the shot in the video. Now why is this fatphobic, you ask? Both her portrayal of being fat as negative and the message coming from Swift, who isn't fat, is damaging. Media in general overrepresents underweight individuals and underrepresents overweight individuals. A third of women on TV are classified as underweight, while only 5% of the population actually falls into that category in real life. Another study showed that in over a thousand TV characters from 2003 to today, 14% of female characters and 24% of male characters were overweight, despite real world percentages being double those numbers. And this was something that I was thinking about earlier this week because at my retail job, I particularly have a lot of older women that like to comment on my thinness and Particularly since the pandemic, I've been working really, really hard on getting my appetite back up and gaining a little bit more weight. I've been insecure, particularly because I have a history with eating disorders and I really dislike the assumptions that are made about me because I did lose some weight during the pandemic, but it was due to things like not having a job and not having a whole lot of money to spend on food and losing my appetite because my anxiety and depression were so bad. It was something that just kind of happened. It wasn't something that I made happen and I get really defensive about it and it also makes me really, really sad when people – diminish me to the way that my body looks and I want to make it clear that it's never okay to comment on something that someone has no control over like their body comment on my shirt comments on my hair comments on my phone case something that is external that I have made a decision about and compliment me on that do not compliment people on things they cannot control I also want to make it very clear that the discrimination against thin people, quote-unquote discrimination, is not the same as when a fat person receives negative comments. Thin privilege, skinny privilege, it is real, and it is meant to highlight the systemic disparity between thinness and fatness. I read a really great blog post on Christy Harrison.com where she wrote, quote, "People in larger bodies face consistent systemic oppression, not just body shaming by a few individual assholes, but an asshole culture that makes it difficult or impossible to find clothes in spaces that fit, health care that's effective and non-discriminatory, equal access to employment, and all of the other basic human rights we deserve." And I think that that phrases everything perfectly. So why is it damaging for someone like Taylor Swift to put that in a video? Because it's giving off the wrong message to how we should be perceiving ourselves, how we should be perceiving others, and what it means to be fat. The last comment I'll make on that is that fat is not a bad word. Fat is something you have. It's not something you are. Fat is not a feeling. It is just a thing. Well, that one got me all rageful by myself in the bedroom. I hope you all enjoyed listening to it and got a little angry right along with me. I want to throw the net out there again. If there's anybody who knows someone or is someone that is interested in possibly joining me on the show, whether as a co-host or a sidekick or being a part of this in any sort of capacity, I would really, really love to hear from you. Please email me at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at angryneighborhoodfeminist. You can also send in topic ideas for the future if you would like to both of those places as well. It is very helpful to me and I've I've actually been receiving a lot of great feminist faves ideas recently, so I might have to throw some more of those in there coming up. I also haven't had a new review in a minute, so if you haven't done so, please make your way over to your Apple Podcast app. Leave a five-star review and a quick sentence for why you enjoy the show. Your support right now truly means everything to me and is going to be the best way for you to help me move the show forward. Also, you can rate the show on Spotify. Spotify. Well, now my dog Penny is going through a bark fest, so I'm going to close this up quickly. That is all I have for you today. With all that being said, I encourage you to rage on. Bye bye
0: Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwein, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling-medical-investigator.